Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, this morning I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes about healing the heart. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Jesus really cares about your heart. He really cares about what's happening on the inside. And uh, we're going to take a few minutes to just get into that this morning. And I want to start in Luke chapter 4. If you go with me, and we're going to bring it up on the screens. If you're uh, attending through the live stream, we welcome you. We want you to feel just as much a part of this um, uh, as uh, those who are here presently with us in, in the building. We, we uh, count you as our family, and we hope you get something from the scripture with us today. So let's start in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Uh, Jesus is um, going up to the temple, and he's about to announce what his purpose is on the earth. And he says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, and where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood to read. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so we have these uh, six missions that Jesus has. He's anointed, he's appointed by, by God the Father with a purpose on the earth. And so we're going to just touch a few of those today. But the first one is to preach the gospel to the poor. This is really important because we don't in North America understand poverty. Now, we have people who have need, and we have uh, social systems and uh, social assistance and stuff to help people. And so uh, maybe some people don't have as much as others. But if you go to different third world countries and want to see poverty, there you'll see poverty, right? You'll see people who are poor who maybe eat once a week and uh, they're, they're just looking for crumbs to eat. I mean, they're hungry. Uh, how many know to be hungry is, 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 uh, is a real thing? And we don't see that in our country, but in many places of the world we do. But Jesus is speaking about here, I believe, not only natural hunger, but he's talking about spiritual hunger. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, so we can be poor in spirit. Say poor in spirit. What in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, um, if you go through life and, and, and the inner man, the, 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 heart of, the heart of hearts, who you are as a person, there's, there's, there's satisfaction in, in the world system. There's satisfaction in your job. There's satisfaction um, in all these uh, things that you can attain in the earth, but there's no hunger for spiritual things. Um, that means you're not poor, poor spiritually. To be poor spiritually is to be in a place where with all the good things that God has provided for us, there's a hunger to say, I, I just, I need to be connected with God. I need to be connected with my creator. I have to, there's got to be more than what this world offers. There has to be a vacuum on the inside of you saying, I need truth. How many hear what I'm saying? And, to, and, and I believe you're here today because you're, you're poor in spirit or we're poor in spirit and we're crying out for God. And so Jesus came and filled that empty void. So first is Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. Secondly, to heal the brokenhearted. And really the heart is the seat of your emotions. That's who you are as a person. And Jesus isn't just interested in forgiving your sins and giving you a pass into heaven. He wants to heal your hearts. 
He wants to see people emotionally set and settled inside. The third thing is he came to set liberty to the captives, which is deliverance. And when I got saved, I was delivered from a cigarette addiction and other addictions of narcotics. God supernaturally, some of you have that testimony where with God's power on the inside, I was able to overcome. I was delivered from these things. So deliverance is important as well. And the fourth one is to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that really talks about, uh, talks about abuse issues. So if you were abused a lot, if there was abuse in your life, that causes a heaviness. It causes an oppression. But listen, Jesus came to heal your hearts. That's good news. Jesus wants to heal. He wants to take the pain out. He wants to deal with the things that have hurt us in the past. And many times as Christians, we can skip over the heal the brokenhearted, and we just get into more head knowledge, more head knowledge, when God wants to go into the heart. Jesus reached into people's hearts because he wanted to transform them. He wanted to see them changed from the inside out. His focus was reaching people's hearts. Why? Because what goes on in the heart always affects our behavior. The world system calls the heart the subconscious mind, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says that we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, to be renewed in the spirits of our mind. So the, book, uh, the writer of the book of Ephesians tells us that, uh, that our mind has a spirit. And I believe Paul is talking about the subconscious mind, is what the world calls it, but Paul calls it the spirit of the mind. What is the spirit of the mind? It's a phrase that refers to the inner man, the very deepest part of who we are, what determines how we think and what we do. This is our heart of hearts, the very deepest part of who we really are. And so I want to show you a slide here, and this is a slide of um, the conscious mind, and we're going to bring that up here. And so the conscious mind, we, we look at uh, our, our whole being as, as, as an iceberg. And so the conscious mind is really your reasoning, your logical thinking, uh, you know, critical thinking. You do one task at a time. Uh, it's limited. You have uh, limited memory, perceive the past, present, and the future. So that's kind of what's on the surface. But how many know there's 90% of an iceberg is below the surface? And so in this, the subconscious mind, and what we call it, if we go to the next slide, it actually, we're going to change it here, the spirit of the mind, the heart, Okay, is, is your beliefs, your past programming, your emotions, your imaginations. And see, imaginations is pictures. And that's why Jesus, we can see he was trying to bypass the mind sometimes and speak to the heart because Jesus spoke in parables. When he talked to farmers, he talked about sowing and reaping. When he talked to fishermen, he talked about fish because we could get a picture that would form our belief systems at a heart level. And so... Jesus uses a lot of imagery. The Bible is full of imagery. If you read through Revelations, you read through Isaiah, you read through Ezekiel, it's picture after picture because God wants to bypass, doesn't want to bypass because he wants us to have knowledge, but he wants to speak to our hearts, okay? Our intuition, the traumas that we've incurred, the values, there's trillions of tasks going on at one time. Involuntary actions, your body's being controlled, right? You know, you don't have to tell your stomach to digest the pizza you had. It just does it, right? And so there's all this involuntary action. There's long-term memory. Everything is happening now at the same time. And so when we pass away, 
you know, our conscious mind, that 10% stays with the body, but our subconscious, our spirit of the mind goes with us into glory. And we won't be limited. Isn't that good news? So that's good news. And so I want to talk to you because God is after our hearts. He's not just after our heads. He says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, he says, these people, he's talking about the religious Pharisees, they draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so God is not after lip service. He wants people's heart to be connected to him. What is the function of the heart? Well, we're going to look at a slide here. The, the functions of the heart really is, and I'm talking about the, the heart organ. I'm talking about the spirit. The heart is where we choose values, okay, and convictions to live by. That's the first thing. The heart is where we experience passion. You know, some people, you know, they're passionate about sports, right? They're passionate about golf. They're passionate about hot rods, whatever it is. Right? They're passionate about something because what they talk about it all the time, right? And so there's passion. The heart is where we feel close to others and where we feel close to God. The heart is where we experience temptation and guilt. It is where our conscience resides. And the heart is where we feel our emotions. And I want to talk a bit about emotions today. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, it says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blaspheme. Now, what happens is, because man is fallen by nature, there's sin, there's defilement within the heart. So, the traumas we endure, the programming we endure, all of these things we endure growing up without Christ, it just triggers a lot, and out of that comes evil thoughts adulteries, murders. And how many know Satan can program you in the heart? It's funny, I was saying uh, in the first service, I was talking about my wife and I, we never, I don't even know if we really had a discussion about it, but when we got married 21 years ago, we just said, let's not pay for cable TV. It's just, it's an expense and we want to do family things. And so we never had cable. I haven't had cable for 21 years. So we don't watch TV. What we did was we would, at that time, go to Blockbusters. How many remember Blockbusters, right? And uh, we would, uh, you know, we'd choose what we wanted to watch. We bought the videos. So we chose our programming. And, you know, even today now, you've got different platforms, Netflix and, you know, Disney Plus. So we, we can choose what we watch. But how many know that the reason why they call it programming, you know, what program are you watching? Because it, it's programming you. The TV is programming you. And so it's funny because we never had TV. My wife and I were watching like people's values change and change and change. We still think the same way we thought 20 years ago. And a lot of people around us are like, their values have changed. Their beliefs have changed. Their stances have changed. And I'm not just blaming the TV, but there's programming going on. How many hear what I'm saying? And Jesus wants his word to reprogram our hearts. How many believe that? How do we know what's in our hearts? And so we'll bring up our next slide here. How do we know what's in our hearts? Our speech. That's the first thing. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Again, Jesus speaking to the religious people of his day, said, Brood of vipers, 
How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of what's in your heart, your mouth is going to talk. All right? And that's one of the things I remember when I used to, uh, you know, uh, started doing evangelism. One of the things that I taught people and what was taught to me was when you go into people's homes, you look, and it's just a strategy. You just see on the walls if they have pictures of boats or golfers or whatever. And then what you would do is you would start talking to them about the things that the quietest person would begin talking about. Oh, yeah, let me. Hey, you know, I see you like boats. That's a nice boat. Yeah, let me tell you about my boat. I got my first boat when I was 18, and now you had seven boats. And, and you start talking to them about the things that are, they're passionate about. That's how you know what's in people's hearts. And then you bring God into that story. And so our speech will tell us what we're passionate about. For example, if you go around and you look in the mirror and say, I'm so ugly, I'm so stupid, I wish I wouldn't do that. I fail at everything I set. And you start talking negative about you yourself. That's telling me that in your heart you have rejection, self-rejection. Amen? Whatever comes out of your heart. If you're always speaking bad about others or bad-mouthing people, that's coming out of the heart. So whatever comes out of the mouth tells you what's in the heart. And so we have to listen, kind of reflect through the week. What am I talking about? What am I saying to people? We're getting a picture of our heart. All right? And so the first way is our speech. The second way we can see what's in our hearts is our actions. Our actions. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. And I mentioned about our actions. I was talking about Adolf Hitler in the first service because he's like the extreme picture of evil. And a lot of people don't realize this, that he was into the, the, the black arts and uh, occultism. And he read all these books on occultism. And so he was feeding his spirit hatred towards the Jewish people, feeding his spirit demonic ideas. And that's where that hatred came from his heart. And so he began to do what was in his heart. And our action, that's an extreme example, but our actions, what we do, will say what's in our heart. Right? And I've had conversations before with people, like one of the things we've said with our children is that they're going to go to church every Sunday, and they're going to go to youth, they're going to go to kids' ministry, all that stuff. We prioritize that. And so, okay, if they're on a sports team and the sport team wants to meet, the soccer team's starting to meet on Sunday, guess what? You're going to church and you're going to find another sports team where you're not going to play sports. Why? Because we prioritize what's important. And I've had families come to me and say, I don't know why my kids don't serve God. Well, they haven't came to church for half their life because you prioritize sports over Jesus. What's out of the, what your actions will tell what's going on in the inside. Amen. I know that's a heavy, but it's true. What do we prioritize? And the third one is our central focus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this is this idea of temporal values versus eternal values. And it's okay to say, okay, I want to have a nice house. I want to have a car. I want to have a good job. 
I want to have money in the bank for my grandkids. There's nothing wrong with having temporal values as long as they don't supersede the eternal values. Because more important than what is temporal is what's eternal. Are you setting up yourself for a good eternity? Are you storing up treasure in heaven? Right? And it's like that example I gave before where a guy died and went to heaven and he saw all these mansions. He's like, man, Jesus, look at all these mansions. Like, this is amazing. I can't wait to see my mansion. And Jesus took him down this little street, and there was a little shack in the corner. He goes, there's your house. And Jesus said, and he said to Jesus, why don't I get a mansion? He said, because that's all the lumber you sent. And that's what this verse is saying. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Somehow, and I don't know how it is, but somehow what we do here will set us up for eternity. And for millions and millions and years, we're going to live rewarded for what we did here. So why do we put so much value in that which is temporal when there's going to be eternity of rewards? Amen? And so we need to make a decision. Sin begins in the heart in Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, evil eyes, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things, say all these things, come from within. And they defile a person, a man or a woman. But God knows our heart, and this is a beautiful thing. God knows our heart, and He knows that we had sin nature in us, so He needed to do something. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says here, and this is the promise, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out of the heart of stone, I'll put a heart of flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a good promise that God can, and that's what we call being born again. That's what we call being transformed from the inside out because God sends a spirit and he gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new heart. He changes us on the inside. It's his work. And religion is just trying, you know, it's hanging around the cross without getting on the cross. And, but when we get on the cross and we say, I'm going to die to my life and I'm going to give you my life, Lord, then he comes and gives us a new heart. He comes and gives us a new mind. Isn't that good news today? Right, And so most of us, if not all of us, have experienced that. And that's awesome. That's amazing. But today I want to talk about four types of hearts because even though he's given us a new heart, sometimes the enemy tries to come back in and discourage us through traumas, through events, through situations. And today I want to talk about four types of hearts. So we're going to bring that up. The first one is an unsettled heart. Say unsettled. And... Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Say gentle. Say it again. What is Jesus? All right. And lowly in heart, and you will find what for your soul? Rest. Why do you find rest? Because Jesus is gentle. And look what he says next. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so what, what's happened is the, many of us have experienced spiritual abuse in the past. What is spiritual abuse? When someone tries to bring correction and direction from the word, 
and they haven't had a gentle spirit. They haven't come to serve. See, when Jesus came, he came and he became one of us, suffered like us. You know, he didn't preach from above. He came and lived the life. It's kind of like if, if somebody's in a well and they're stuck in the bottom of a pit and you stand at the top and say, come on, man, you got to come up. You got to put the foot there and then put a hand here and then you need to pry yourself over here and eventually you're going to get up. You, What's wrong with you? Come on, stand up, climb up, come on. You're preaching from the top of the hole. But Jesus went down into the pit and he got under his disciples and he lifted them up and he helped them out and then he came out. And that's what God has called us to do, to get in the pit and to lift people and serve people and help people. And Jesus is basically saying, you know, many people have anxious hearts because they've had abuse and they've had people that have not been gentle. And some, sometimes we've had parents maybe who were, were not gentle. There are always a pressure to perform. You know, you're not doing good enough. You know, you shouldn't be getting B's. You should be getting A pluses because you know what? You don't want to be a janitor. And if you don't, you'll not amount to anything if you don't do better. And, and your heart starts going, oh. And you start panicking because you're like, I'm never going to measure up. Uh, there's too much pressure. And Jesus says here, he says, uh, take my yoke upon you. So a yoke is a piece of wood that goes across the shoulders of two bulls, and they share the load. And Jesus says, I want to share your load. I'm going to get beside you, and we're going to pull the load together. And by the way, it's light, and it's easy, and I'm gentle, and I want you to learn from me to be gentle. And, and, and so the enemy will stir people up to kind of correct and rebuke you, and your heart starts getting unsettled, and you get anxiety, and you begin to panic, and then you get into pressure to perform, and you go from your Christian living goes here instead of here. How many hear what I'm saying? Um, he's, he say he's yoked with me. We're carrying the same load. Father, I pray today, Lord, that every person in this place would just get a revelation that we're yoked with you and that your burden is light, your yoke is easy. And God, I just pray that if there is that unsettled anxiety and pressure, God, that that would just, that Jesus, you would come and heal our hearts. That you would come and take that burden and that pressure away in Jesus' name. So the second is like, we'll get into the second one here. The second type of heart is a troubled heart. Say troubled heart. Okay. And Jesus says in, uh, and the word, actually the word troubled means uh, to agitate, to cause inward commotion, to take away calmness of mind. Again, it's another form of anxiety. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. So Jesus is saying this. He's saying to his disciples, he's saying, hey, guys, let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. But what we don't realize is the context of what he's talking about. If we go back just a couple verses, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Jesus just said, I'm going to be going to away. And he says, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. Say, I will. 
See, he, Peter was focused on his own strength. He said, I will, in my strength, lay down my life for your sake. And look what Jesus said. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And so he just told Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to mess up. And then he says, well, don't let your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. And I'm saying the same thing to you. Guess what? Every single one of you, including me, will deny Jesus in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to mess up. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to make mistakes. But I say, as Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be- you believed in God. Believe also in me. Stop believing in your own strength to get you through the problem. Start believing in me and my shed blood. And that you can come boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy in time of need. Because Peter was putting his focus on his strength, and Jesus was saying, no, 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 forget it. You're going to deny me, but don't be troubled about it. Believe in me. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come to speak to your spirit, speak to your mind, and say, you know what? You should feel troubled because you failed Jesus. You said you would fast, and you didn't fast. You said you would pray, and you're not praying enough. You said you'd read your Bible more. You're not doing that. And, you know, you didn't raise your kids right. You didn't do this right. And the next thing you know, you're troubled, and Jesus is saying, Hey, don't be troubled. Believe in me. I'll fix it. Because faith is now. The enemy doesn't want, the enemy wants you troubled. The enemy wants you full of anxiety, but Jesus wants you to believe in him. Can I hear amen? Because we will miss the mark, and we'll have thoughts that come to trouble our hearts. But we have to wake up and say, thank you, God, that your grace is new, your mercy is new every morning. And today I'm starting off right. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting aside myself, because in and of myself I can do nothing. And that's what Jesus was saying. Isn't that encouraging? You know? And that doesn't give us a license to sin. Absolutely not. But it's, con- it's, the a- it's the opposite. It doesn't give us a license to sin. It helps us to realize that we need Him in order not to sin. So we need to be pressing into Jesus. We need to be in faith and not in fear. So the next one is, okay, is a fearful heart. God doesn't want us to have a fearful heart. The word fearful means timid or fearful, Okay? The first, the first word when we talked about um, when we talked about troubled, it's actually talking about uh, to be agitated. It means to be, um, uh, you know, not having calmness of mind. It's like anxiety. But the fear we're talking about here, the Greek word actually means to be timid. God doesn't want you to be timid. He wants you to be bold. He wants you to be confident. In John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-seven, it says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives you." It gives, do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay? And so here's the, here's the thing. Uh, in the context of what's being said, if you go back a, f- a few verses, how many know it's always good to read in context, right? What is Jesus talking about here? He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. So what he's saying is he's saying, your ability to see me and to relate to me, like right now Peter's sitting there, so I can have a conversation with Peter and I can relate to Peter, but that situation was going to change because if Peter leaves the room, And he leaves the building, and he says, now I'm going to text you. 
And they were like, Jesus, we know you face to face. You can't leave us. And he says, no, no, I leave my peace with you. I'm leaving my spirit with you, but I have to go away. And, and, and you're going to have a, a different type of relationship. It's going to be, in a sense, like a long-distant relationship, but I'm going to be with you. And they were like, afraid. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be timid because I'm with you and I will give you peace. Isn't that good? And the last one is a rebellious heart. And so we see with the prodigal son, he said, I want to go my own way. I want the money that belongs to me now, dad. I want my portion of the estate. I'm going to go and do my life, my way away from you. And he left his father and he went to a faraway country and he spent all his money on wild living. He used up everything he had. And when he found himself working for a farmer and eating the food that was meant for the pigs, he said, man, my father's servants are better off than than this. I'll go home and at least God will make, my father will make me a, uh, will make me a servant. I mean, I I think he'd do that. So he, he started heading home, but as he was a far way off, his father saw him coming. And we, we know the story. He runs to him and embraces him. He kisses him. He puts uh, the robe on him. He puts the family sandals on him and the family ring. And he says, today, my son was dead, but now he's alive. He didn't make him a servant. He brought him into sonship again. So when we have rebellious hearts, and if people have rebellious hearts, if you're listening on live stream and you say, you know, if you're doing life your way and you've, you've not, you know, followed the Scripture, you haven't followed Jesus, you just did it your way, God is not going to treat you like a servant. If you come back, He's going to make you a son and a daughter. He's going he's to love on you, and Jesus is going to come. He doesn't just want to intellectually convert you. He wants to heal your heart. That's the goodness of our God, and you need to know that today. The other thing is when we speak directly to the heart, that which is under, our imagination is made up by seeing pictures and analogies. And that's why Jesus always used parables. That's why when you read through all the books of the Bible and the Old Testament, we see these pictures all the time being laid out before us because that's how we see. We see in pictures. Jesus wanted to bypass the head and go right to the heart. And we see this here. I shouldn't say bypass because it's very important we know the truth, but it's deeper than that. David says this in Psalm 102, 4 and 11. He says, my heart is like smitten grass. He, had a, he was explaining with a picture how he was feeling. And we see in Psalm 31, 12, he said, my heart is like broken pottery. He was giving us a picture of how he was feeling. And we see in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen, he says, My heart is like melted wax. What does your heart look like? In Psalm 22, 6, he says, My heart is a worm. It felt like a worm inside. And then Psalm 109, 22, he said he had a wounded heart. Poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. And you know... David was one thing. He was a man after God's own heart. He, he, and I want to say this. Jesus wants to minister to your heart. If your heart is broken, if your heart is wounded, if your heart, you know, I was counseling someone recently, and I said, what is, ask the Lord to give you a picture of what your heart looks like. And he, 
This person said it. It's like shattered in a thousand pieces. And then we said, well, let's ask Jesus, to, let's ask the Father to heal the heart. And how many know God wants to minister to us at that level? And then we see here a positive. Uh, David says some positive things. He says, uh, he talks about his heart being like the joy of harvest. He says his heart is like leaping for joy. Uh, a deer anticipating a drink from a stream of water. Like He's really describing how he's feeling. A, a tree planted by the streams of water. A content lamb. If your heart is unsettled, if your heart is troubled, if your heart is afraid, Jesus wants to bring healing. And we need to talk to the Lord about our hearts. So why don't we stand together and we're going to pray. I want to pray for you guys. You guys get something out of this today? Amen. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Lord, I pray this verse over your people today. Jesus, you said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Some of us here, God, we're heavy laden. We've been laboring. And uh, Jesus, you said you'd give us rest. So, Lord, I pray right now for an impartation of rest in the inner man. Everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that taking, that we will learn to take your yoke upon us and that we would learn from you, that we would hear the voice of a gentle Savior. Lord, that your, your heart, you're not about pushing us. You're, you're, you're humble of heart, God. Would you train us? Would you teach us to be gentle, to be firm and stand for truth, but be gentle with people? Lord, that you would help us to find rest for our souls. Lord, I pray that your yoke, just as it is easy and it's light, God, that we would experience that in our hearts. And I pray, God, for every heart in this place that is unsettled, that is afraid, that is troubled, God. And even now, God, by your spirit, you'd come and just minister to people and uproot the pain of certain uh, abuse and traumas that cause anxiety by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you're listening uh, online or you're sitting here and you say, I don't know Jesus, this is my personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know today that as much as it is about getting right with God, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, and we need to get to heaven, we need to repent of our sins, right? Because we can't go into the presence of a holy God. But he came and paid that price for us. So we just say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I receive you as my Savior. But step two is God wants to begin a healing journey in your heart, a deliverance journey in your life, because he cares about you. You're not just a number. You're not just, you know, he cares about you. So, Father, I pray right now, if anyone is listening, if you want to say this prayer with me, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So just repeat this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. I need you to cleanse me. Come and live in my heart. In Jesus' name. And if you said that today, the Bible says you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I want to encourage you, just get connected, stay connected, because the Word of God will bring healing and cleansing to our lives. So, Father, again, I just thank you for everyone here, God. They go this week, God, that you begin to speak to their hearts, Lord, and that they will let you into those places so that you can bring the healing that you desire to bring. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.